Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to the Strong Calm Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to the three C's of calm, communication, community building, and how those two things build a strong company, um, engage with local leaders, driven individuals, and I truly have one uh, sitting across from me today. We've been friends for a while, so a number of years, I think, and uh, I'm going to pull up the So 40 years of experience in restaurants and owns two companies, 33 and a third is one, a restaurant development and a management company founded in 1987, uh, two years prior to I was born, just to say, <laughs> just, to, just so you know, and uh, JMS Ventures Group, which was created to help others succeed in business and life by building a community-based online social entrepreneurship contribution purpose joy and legacy i kind of messed up that read right there but that's what it's dedicated to so that's the formal introduction mike how are you doing good here doing great great to see you again yeah Yeah. it's good to see you i'm glad that we've been like back and forth trying to get the schedule i know yeah exactly both uh, busy yeah yeah Yeah. um so i'm thank you for for you know my pleasure coming on here i think it's going to help a lot of people and i've just been i've admired you for such a long time do you remember how we initially got connected i can't remember exactly how i think we actually met in a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and i don't know how we back gosh it was that coffee shop over by the university it's no longer there actually Uh, oh right scooters i believe yeah scooters you were selling cars back then and i was. was just had just recently moved to tyler from colorado and somehow we connected, had coffee, and started uh, talking because I, uh, we, we have similar thinking, I believe, in business. Of course, your generation is a little younger than my generation, but I, you, and I have we've had some great conversations over the last what three, four years mm-hmm. in business, and I've really enjoyed watching you uh, move, how you move, what you're doing with, in your life, and, well, and impacting that. in the business world. Well, it's, um, yeah, it's been fun. And, you know, you're jogging my memory, um, you know, the scooters thing. And if I was in car sales, and I think it might have been Twitter. It could have been. That uh, initially got us connected because there's not very many people in our local area on Twitter. No. On an ongoing basis. On an ongoing basis. And you and I are tweeters. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. But we're on there quite a bit. So I think we initially got connected there and then Facebook Mm -hmm. and everything else got us connected. And then, you know, over time, just been interested in you because, you know, you're, you just turned 68, 68. And I'm, you know, I'm bringing up age, you know, this is the second time I brought up age, but only because I think it's a great thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I do too. All right. It, like you look great you, <laughs> well, and you, you feel great. Thank you. And I think you've got a younger hustle than a lot of young people that I know. Well, thank you for that. So one thing you think about this, and this is kind of real, you know, I've mentioned that my two businesses, I opened my restaurant development company and management company and I've owned restaurants since 1987. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the restaurant industry, every decade since 87, how many decades is that for? Sure. My, I have always worked with your age group. In the 70s, in the 80s, 90s, uh, 2000s, I've always have worked with an age group of people in the restaurant industry of 20, you know, 18 to 22 to 30 college kids. So I'm used to working with that. The difference is, is what, and and it's like, I enjoy it. The difference is the mindset of a 25-year-old today and a 25-year-old back in the 80s based on just everything, technology. Uh, upbringing, um, knowledge. And so that's, it's been interesting. And I still do own restaurants. I've sold most of my restaurants today and focusing on my marketing company. But uh, uh, still, my, my look at my two restaurants in Colorado, the average age is probably 24, 27 in that age group. Yeah. So tell me about those restaurants. So you, you're still part owner in those? In the 33 and a third, I still own two restaurants. They're in Colorado. I had a great career in the restaurant industry. I actually went to University of Houston to their hotel restaurant school in the 70s cool. and actually managed restaurants too in my early years and then opened, started opening my own restaurants in 87 and uh, was blessed to live 
in Hawaii. I opened my first restaurant on the island of Maui. Wow. And uh, by the way, it still opens still today, even though I don't own it. And a uh-huh. uh, little cafe. And then we opened uh, three more on Maui. I uh, jumped over to the island of Kauai, jumped over to Lake Tahoe, California. And then eventually I moved to Colorado and opened, started opening restaurants in Colorado. Wow. So I've been in that. And it's just a uh, it, extremely hard work. Well, any business is extremely hard work. And we're going to talk about that today. But uh, restaurants is really hard. We were blessed with success and failures. Had uh, one that didn't make it and we had some that didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. But uh, And then through the ups and down times, the recessions always play a part in restaurants. But uh, Yeah. Let's put a pin in the, the um, you bring up Hawaii and starting a business there. And I think that's really interesting. Uh, I kind of want to circle back into that. Okay. But like to, to start the, the show in terms of, you know, the communication. So I always like to start about communication and, um, you know, we got engaged on social media, but since we're kind of in that topic of Mm -hmm. restaurant management and how you said, you know, you've always had to really interact with younger generations, younger than you primarily in the workforce. So, um, you know, in, in your view, like how does somebody cross that generation gap? If not through like technology aside for a second, like how do you connect or how would you advise somebody who's trying to connect with younger generations if they feel that kind of disconnect in their, in their employees? Great, great question, Aaron. And I think that's something we talk about as my age group and my age group, my peers, as we continue to run and talk to your age group and manage and managing in them in the restaurant business because they're employees mm-hmm. my other company they're not employees but we'll get to that but yeah it's constant being aware of the generational and what moves them how they interact how they get their stimulant where they get their education mm-hmm. how they just do everything in life uh, from dating to uh, food choices, everything in, um, they're still basically the same. We're still human beings. We still have the same senses. We still have, but their senses are being used differently. They communicate different. So yes, you do have to, to connect. You have to communicate a little differently for me as a 68 year old mm-hmm. with a 25 year old today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, more, mainly you just have to learn to listen more. I need to listen more and listen to them, ask them questions after questions, in both my companies and what they want, what they want in life. And all I'm doing now, my, not all, but what I want to do is teach them with my experience because I was there through my mm-hmm. 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, what I learned. And it's still basic, basic things are still the same. It's always the basic in business and basic in communication. Yeah. But communication is big. I love to treat, teach communication i love to learn it i read about it listen to it i listen to your podcast all the time and so i want your generation is the future of our com- com- country right now mm-hmm. and, and the world actually i work with some um, millennials in africa right now same thing i how do i communicate with them through um, mainly there it's through technology because we're just so, so far away but mm-hmm. uh, you still have got to listen listen to them listen to them that's a cultural thing but yeah uh, and I think, you know, I can, I can say from firsthand, that's how we got connected. Exactly. You know, you, you know, we followed each other or what have you, but then, you know, you, you invited me out for a coffee and exactly. that kind of thing. And you're just genuinely interested in what I was mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. do. You know, I've definitely grown a lot. I would like to say <laughs> in a, in those few years, you know, in, in, in terms of my education mm-hmm. and business knowledge and that kind of stuff. But you know, I've, I'm starting to come more into this theme of um, evolution, how yes. like we're all on this journey, to, journey and we're just evolving in just different ways. And mm-hmm. we're all, you know, we're, we're never going to be that quite, quite perfect. No, we never will. And it's so like the listening point is so important. So you can really, you know, you have to get the context around what's happening, mm-hmm. uh, what's, what's happening around somebody exactly to effectively get a message across exactly otherwise they won't hear it oh that's so so true and i think that's so true and with let's take our generation you and i because we did meet off social media but i still i'm a little bit in the old school that i prefer i love face-to-face communication you know that Mm -hmm. uh, talk tuesdays and all the things we've done in the i love to get around people in real but the reality is that the world has shrunk we're a village now global village and i communicate with people 
yesterday, I believe in 10 time zones yesterday. But while I prefer wow. this eyeball to eyeball, and yes, you can still do that through video conferencing, I also respect the fact and communication of some of the generation that, for instance, uh, the, it's my understanding millennials, they're texting, texting, and I had to learn about texting. I Texting to me was foreign. I can do it, but I'd rather hear your voice. I'd rather see your eyes. Right. So, by, so facts and information, if you need a telephone number or address, yeah, texting's fine. Mm -hmm. But I still prefer, I personally prefer verbal communication yeah a phone call or zoom or facetime i love facetime and well yeah it's, it's so, funny you say like and and you're not just saying that because you know in confirming this podcast you sent me a, a video message yeah, through messenger exactly and that's something that people don't do very often no. and, but and it, I, is it is so it's it's that much more impactful and if you and i purposely if you noticed i believe it was only i can't remember but it's probably only 16 17 seconds which oh, is yeah. still fine i mean it took it took me shorter time to do a 16 second video than to type in a text <laughs> so and i think it means a little bit more personal i agree so I, and i've what i've found and all of a sudden now i'm receiving those back and i'm not asking for them mm. but obviously people now see well my he said and I do that a lot, particularly with people I really work with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. It's just a quick little good morning in sometimes five seconds. Good morning. It's a visual versus a type. So Right. Yeah. It just means yeah. that much and more. And you can do that on WhatsApp. You can do that almost. You can actually do that on Twitter now. You can do some. They're adding up so much in the video. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But back, it's all communication and just aware of how you communicate and communicate effectively in the business world. Uh, gosh, you think back, you know not you when you probably don't i can remember when i was young mm -hmm. uh going off to school my mother made sure we always had a quarter in our pocket so we could put it in a pay phone if we had to call somebody mm -hmm. call for help call them we always had to have a because pay phones are everywhere right and then i remember when uh pagers were big and my son carried a pager to school so and i carried pay, so he could page me yeah. and then we'd go to a pay phone but so and it's evolving but it's all part of the communication yeah and in the business world so uh, so so was there a moment for you that you said okay because, because i i grew up with the internet you know yes. so so I've, I feel like I've evolved almost in parallel with the internet in terms of, you know, uh, AOL, we were on AOL chat rooms and things mm -hmm. like that as, as like a middle schooler, right? you know, and then as I graduated high school, like Facebook was for college age, age. kids, and then it broke out to the, you know, broader public when I was mm -hmm. 19, 20 and what mm -hmm. have you. So like, as these platforms have evolved, I've evolved as a person. But for you, for decades, it wasn't there. No. So my question to you is, you know, was there a moment you said, well, I've got to jump on the bandwagon? It, 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 you come across very authentic in your usage of it because you're competent at, you know, sending a video message. You do it all the time. You're experienced and practiced mm -hmm. at it. So you, feel, you have a degree of comfortability. Um, was, how did you kind of get into it? Or what for you, was it like, oh, there's a thing called Twitter? I'm just going to sign up. Well, a little bit of everything of that. And I'm just evolving. I, I, inquisitive. I always had an inquisitive mind of what's happening in the world and technologies or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. New cars, new just how things evolved through um, our, our world, watching it the last 68 years. And uh, I think it was a little bit of both, both of those. I will also say I'm very, I have two coaches that I, uh, I'm big on coaching, coaching mm. and mentors and actually pay two coaches to coach me. Mm. And back, uh, we talked about a gentleman this morning already, but back in 2008, when I started moving into my, and opened my JMS Ventures Group marketing company, uh, it evolved and he helped me saying, you need to get more involved in this is the future. He mm -hmm. had the more vision. I didn't have the vision. He saw where technology mm -hmm. was going to go to Twitter and Facebook and uh, jumping into now. Think about apps. Apps are relatively, what are they, 10 years old? Maybe. And yeah. maybe not even 10 years old. So yeah. moving all into that categories, those categories, it was evolving and just grasping this, not understanding it all, asking questions and letting a coach teach me how to, let's try this, let's try that. Mm. And everything worked. But uh, because it's all evolving, yeah. But it's always back to the communication. How can we effectively communicate with each other on a family basis, 
a yeah. professional basis, a community basis. And yeah. uh, it's. But, uh, but you've had a genuine interest in doing yes, it. Yes, I have. A lot of people say, I, I've talked to a, a client of ours before. He's like, when the internet came out, like came out like it was a movie, you know, yeah. is like when the internet came out, I thought that shit was a fad, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like, he was like, he goes, man, I was historically incorrect. incorrect. Yeah. Exactly. So, but, but you know, that's how a lot of people I would say, you know, approach new types of technology well, and things like, exactly. no, I'm, I'm comfortable. And I don't know if you remember when the, um, I'm trying to think how old you would have been, but mm -hmm. when the internet bubble actually burst, Mm -hmm. back in i think it was late 80s mm -hmm. uh, or 2008 i meant 2007 mm -hmm. 2008 yeah. they, and what was happening because yeah, of the I internet was, i was graduating high school oh, there you go and uh it was like everybody like doom and gloom was happening and i remember in high school well, like i was like oh great well, <laughs> I'm, I'm just like getting out of my own and everybody's well, like uh, everything's melting exactly but for me my perspective of that aaron was i'm watching i watched it grow up and what i'm i was seeing in those times with the Amazing company, amazing company, amazing company, internet company. Mm -hmm. They're on the bandwagon. But in reality, we knew in hindsight sometimes, mm -hmm. not all of them were going to work. Just like in the restaurant business, most most restaurants don't work. They close in four to five years, the majority of restaurants. But mm -hmm. you've got to try them. You try new techniques. Same thing in the internet world, whether it be internet. Uh, I mean, I can remember living in Seattle when the first um, – grocery store change tried internet buying and internet delivery to your house didn't work today it's working mm -hmm. but uh but so things that's just companies trying using the new technology that's innovative and some are going to work some are not but mm -hmm. look what evolves through the time mm -hmm. um think about amazon Mm -hmm. They thought he was a crazy guy, that Bezos was nuts. He mm -hmm. lost how much money for how many years? And look at him today. So all he rode the, the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. He still had the vision. But he didn't know today what he knows, what he knew back when he started Amazon. Right. And timing is so important yeah. in, in all that. And mm -hmm. making sure that like like the the message that you're bringing might be correct. You might have that oh, right yes. vision, Ex but everybody else, else isn't ready for it. Right. Right. So Exactly. So, but that, and it just, I keep moving it back to communication. I think the world is, I love that we're a global village today. And I can high def video conference with someone in Nairobi, Kenya, which I did yesterday, crystal clear, crystal high def, crystal clear communication mm -hmm. through the internet uh, on the web, as long as they had strong Wi Fi in Nairobi, which sometimes they don't in Africa. Right. But that's still communication. I can. I'm looking at their. Eye. I mean, it's communicating yeah. the right way. That's a that's a, that's inspiring thought. Um, so my I have uh, an aunt and uncle in um, Tanzania, Africa. Really? Yeah. They've they've gone. They've lived there their entire life. Mm -hmm. uh, my cousin, uh, one of my cousins, uh, they have three kids. One of my cousins was born there, mm -hmm. and um, they come back like every four years for a period of months, and then mm -hmm. and then go back. Mm -hmm. And that's been our entire relationship you know we see them like one christmas every four years mm -hmm. or so get a christmas card birthday card that kind of thing mm -hmm. and then like you're inspiring me right now to just think about like wait a minute <laughs> like i i speak with them through cards like more often than anything else when i could really transmit my face you know and yeah. my voice across the world yeah to them intentionally if i really wanted to exactly um it, it's really that easy it's just the it's just the you know am i willing to communicate mm -hmm. and willing, willing to, to, to to get it you know well, you mentioned earlier so, uh, that i've communicated to you this morning through facebook uh, uh, the mm -hmm. messenger app mm -hmm. with the video mm -hmm. africa uh i would do a lot of work in africa africa is they are addicted to whatsapp which is owned by facebook yeah and so i have Facebook or WhatsApp groups and their high def videos, you can do the same thing. So I'm constantly sending them good morning and I'm waking up to messages. They're eight hour time ahead of me. Yeah. So you can do a video conference with your friends in Tanzania through um, WhatsApp. Most mm -hmm. Africans use WhatsApp. Africa is because of the nature of the continent and how it's growing. Some of the countries know that in, the phone is what they do everything. They have great Everything's done on the phone mm. and smartphones in Africa. Interesting. And uh, even banking. Kenya, for instance, has great banking. So you can, I can transfer money directly to my business partners in Kenya through an app. Wow. You know, and even with the exchange rate and the, the change rate from the dollar to the shilling. Awesome. But, but it's just communication again mm -hmm. and uh, moving into community. 
Mm -hmm. same thing i feel the world is a global village now on my side. Yeah, I love, I love that. I love that. Define that global village Global for us. village to me is, I actually lived in Africa as a young boy. And today, lived in Ethiopia as a young boy for four, almost five years. How old were you? I was 10, 10 years old. Okay. And 10, 11, 12. And um, so I've had a, a, and then I've also have sponsored children there for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And now they're grown and have their own kids but my point is to and i used to communicate through them through uh letters actually took and it sometimes took three four weeks mm -hmm. or a month for them to get a snail mail letter right. sent in it internationally right then the internet came up emails we started yeah. emailing each other right now we're communicating through video conferencing mm -hmm. zoom we do zoom accounts and, mm -hmm. and we have whole family meetings with zoom in business meetings, community meetings, with mm -hmm. Zoom. But uh, anyway, the global village to me is the world has shrunk. Our my marketing company has offices. The company, the parent company, has offices in twenty five countries. I have biz. I do business in Af in four countries in Africa. I do business in Canada. I do business in South America. I do business in Southeast Asia. I can be in Thailand for a couple. And actually, I've been on some meetings recently where we've had attendees in a Zoom meeting, all high-tech deaf, mm -hmm. from 35 countries in that meeting. We've mm. had 60, 70 people in the meeting from as many as 35 countries. Mm -hmm. And it's it's 10 p.m. in, in, uh, in Africa, and it's... Uh, 9 a.m. the next day in New Zealand. And mm. so we did, but the world, and we're all communicating, meeting, discussing, looking at each other. Yeah. So the, so the global is, you know, of course, it, it's, it's the wide net. It's, it's the it's wide net. And so we, everybody that's in, where the, in different places. Exactly. And but, that's the part of the, you mentioned earlier, I'm a digital nomad. I consider myself a digital nomad in mm -hmm. this digital global village. As long as I've got good Wi Fi, I can build that business with this mm -hmm. laptop and my iPhone. Right. And so we can, it, it's a village. And yeah. I don't feel like Ethiopia is any further away than just, other than the time difference, we're in, we're still together. Yeah. Doing yeah. business, doing family, doing. Mm. So then it comes down to what brings you together, I think. Yes. You know, if we're really, yes. you know, that, that firm transition, transition to community here. So, um, and that's relationships. I, I love the, I love definitions mm -hmm. and there you go. The, the relationship. So, so it's like, if global is the locality, the village isn't necessarily locality in this type of context. No, exactly. So, so, so village to you, what is that village? What are the relationships, the values the, um, for a village? A village is, I look at my village as an amazing blessed with amazing amount of relationships, obviously over 68 years. Some of my relationships I've had for 60 years, mm -hmm. some uh, for four years and you're, and you're in mm -hmm. our case and some mm -hmm. a week that I've just met here in Tyler, right here in Tyler, or I met in Africa through this other. So the village is my village of relationships, mm -hmm. both personal, family, professional, um, mm -hmm. professional, and, and it actually would throw my employees in there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think employees in my traditional restaurant business versus my marketing business, employees are part of that village too. Mm -hmm. And that's how I communicate with employees. I feel um, a uh, blessing actually, or I have some employees, Aaron, that, I, that worked for me for over 30 years. I had a, a cook that opened up my restaurant in Hawaii. She's still working there, even though I don't even own the restaurant anymore. She's opened that restaurant six days a week at 530. And I don't believe she missed a day in 27 years. Mm. And she received the product. She opened up the kitchen. She worked in the kitchen mm -hmm. and 27 years employee. So she, that relationship, I knew everything about her, her family, her kid. I mean, just... I was mm -hmm. godfather to her, her daughter. And so that is the village. My village was Kathy in Hawaii, Maui, opening up uh, my little restaurant there mm -hmm. for 27 something years yeah. every day, six I'll, days a week. I want to play a game real quick, just on this theme of village, because I like, I want to help people build this, their community, right? Mm -hmm. So for you personally, if, if you were to build a village and anybody who, 
you're to build a village and you're going to put signs around that village, right? To hopefully attract somebody to that village. What values or principles would you put? You can only pick a few, say, say three for, oh for the sake of example. That's great. What values or principles would you put out to say, okay, I, I need this, per, this type of person, this type of person, this type of person. What would you do? What, what would you say on it? Interestingly, Aaron, I think I almost approach it from a little bit different standpoint is from experience. Mm. And yes, you can manipulate it to a degree. And I'll talk about your answer, your question for the three, three mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. things. Um, a lot of it is just incredibly how it happens organically. Mm -hmm. What comes to the village, whether it be we just pick Tyler, downtown Tyler, for instance, is a village. It's, but mm -hmm. and how we met part of the village. So that comes organically. But I think for me, it's um, commitment, um, sense of joy. I'm looking for bring joy into that, uh, seeking joy. And mm -hmm. I always I've had long conversations it's for a whole another show is the difference between happiness and joy. I love we talked about yeah, that. I love happiness that in my mind, you just choose happiness. I choose it. Either you choose it or don't choose it. It's up to you when to be happy. Joy, though, it's something you can seek out. Joy is a little different. Just uh, Google or look up the definition of two, but that's another story. So joy is one I really love in my village. It's part of my mission statement. And then creating a legacy, a legacy for that village as individuals and as a village. So each person, you've got to respect what they're bringing to the village. And it could be so much more than what I ever will have, whether it be uh, whatever it is, and, and joy and tracking joy or it could be knowledge actually level of knowledge i can't play stick anything on the piano mm -hmm. i can push so mm -hmm. i'm always admired by people that just play the piano and incredibly that's their gift your gift mm -hmm. i couldn't set this thing up today but you can so that's your gift to bringing to the village and so i think uh, legacy commitment uh joy long-term commitment long-term relationships, building the relationships together, watching them and respecting each of them and to play a part in the overall village and, uh, and its growth. Whether in that village, again, can be a group of two mm. or thousands. Yeah. And in my case, I've got both. I have a lot of groups. I work with a group that's uh, over a thousand people in our village in a mm. professional standpoint. Mm -hmm. And we're all over the world. Yeah. And that's why... Uh, I find that attractive. Other people don't ever, hard to imagine, like I said, that meeting I was in with 35 countries, people from 35 countries, in one meeting, mm -hmm. it just amazed me that that happens in today's age. Yeah, yeah, as long as you're willing. Yeah. And, and that kind of thing. Because everybody contributed. Everybody's contributing from different cultures, different perspectives, different uh, economical standpoints, uh, what we have in Africa, you know, in the United States versus what they have in Africa is right. so drastically different, but we're making impact in Africa on, in the poverty areas in the, from the business world using the business model. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, cause it's come up, you know, quite a bit. So what is it, the business that has enabled you to, to grow these relationships globally? Globally, it's what, the, what is what, what do you do? The, the marketing company, the, the JMS Ventures, mm -hmm. my initials, J. Michael Smith Ventures Group. I started in 2008. Actually, mm -hmm. interestingly, I had my restaurants at 2008. We had the major recession, mm -hmm. and the rest all my restaurants, without exception, all of a sudden, wow, mm -hmm. we did not know where it was going. We didn't know how long that recession, but literally, sales dropped. Unfortunately, we were laying off managers laying off dishwashers laying off weight i mean that was 2008 and somebody introduced me to the direct sales industry mm -hmm. uh, multi-level marketing in 2008 and it to me got hit aaron it just made sense from a businessman standpoint it made total sense to me as a, of a distribution system that just did not require a lot of employees, did not require a lot of overhead. Because as I was laying off my employees in my restaurants and my sales were dropping relatively, my cost, a lot of my costs were the same. I was mm -hmm. still, I wasn't buying as much product, obviously, mm -hmm. but I was still having to pay my rent. Mm -hmm. I was still having to pay my uh, insurance costs. I was still having to pay my managers until I started laying some of them off, un regrettably. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but in the network marketing, arena which i opened in 2008 
it was just in a business standpoint, I'm looking at it as a business, it made completely sense. Moving products and services through a, a model that did not require a lot of overhead, did not require a lot of upfront investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I uh, started a company. I got involved with the company in 2008 and immediately had some fairly good success because I treated it just like my restaurant business. I, that was how I perceived it because I was a businessman. Mm -hmm. Within that arena, direct sale business, most don't. Most come into the direct sales industry as employees or just 75% uh, of direct sellers in the United States are females actually. And so they're moms, they just, but they don't have a business standpoint. So you have to, I need to recognize that too. But back to your question, it just intrigued me that I could open a business. I was living in Colorado at that time that quickly evolved to about six states. Mm -hmm. And that I, and some people, I started getting people joining that I didn't know because mm -hmm. I brought in some people I knew who brought in some people they knew. All of a sudden now I've got a community, a village of people. We're all marketing the same products in South Carolina to Hawaii, to Colorado, to California, to Texas. Mm -hmm. I, I, my home's in Texas. So I always have built in Texas. Mm -hmm. But it just, so now I knew the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. I did not know the direct sales business as a profession. So I just studied it. Mm -hmm. I started look hired those mentors mm -hmm. and hired the best I could find. Started reading everything I could read about the industry and learning how the how you built that kind of business versus how you build a restaurant business. Mm -hmm. So now 10 years later, 11 years later, I can teach you, Aaron, what I know if you wanted to open a rest restaurant, what mm -hmm. to do, what not to do. Actually opening a small little place here in Tyler, actually. I still love that industry too. Mm -hmm. But I also can teach you now how to build a business of people. Because in my restaurants, at one time we had over 650 employees. In JMS Ventures, I have zero employees, it's mm -hmm. me. But I have a hundreds and thousands of partners, mm -hmm. human beings. Have you been with the same company for for this entire time, for those 10 years? No, actually not. Yeah. And that's a great story too. That was a learning process as well. And again, it's a business. Like I said, compare it to business. I think you, I mentioned, you mentioned earlier, I had a restaurant that didn't make it. I failed. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I mean, that was a half a million dollar write-off loss. Mm. We let, we struggled with it for about five years and eventually determined that well, whatever reason, wrong location, wrong this, wrong that, we closed the doors. And uh, it was about a $470,000 loss that mm. I had. I had in that. Same thing with the rest, with the direct sales. It's a business company. My first company uh, had been in business about nine years when I got joined. I joined with it, the service company. And three years after I joined, 2012, they went out of business. Oh, Just like a restaurant. I mean, so it's a business. So I was out. So then I, however, I still love the industry. I, by then, three years in, I got to where I get this industry. So I found another one mm -hmm. and that one, it was just the wrong fit for me. So I chose to, to not stay in that one. Mm -hmm. My third company, I actually um, was being a businessman, being excited about opening businesses. It was actually here in Texas. We opened a company and I was in the part of opening a direct selling company mm -hmm. here in Texas. Mm -hmm. And 90% of direct selling companies fail within the first three to four years. Mm -hmm. They just don't survive. We didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> However, yeah. my point to that story and the story about my closing my restaurant, it was actually the second one we opened. Aaron, I've always, I learned more from the failure, the one that failed, I learned more of what not to do mm -hmm. and what not to do in the direct selling industry than I did in all the ones that were successful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, that, so I always feel blessed for those failures. Yeah. And then I found the one I'm with now and uh, it's a solid company. Uh, wonderful people. So much about the company you work with should be about who you're working with. Mm -hmm. We just get along so well. We're, um, we're a team and uh, we're a successful team. And we always look at it as a team first. And I use, you talked about verbiage. 
uh, a lot of people in a direct selling company talk about family. Well, families to me, most, many, many, most families are dysfunctional for, <laughs> for whatever reason. And so are teams to a degree. But look at the team. Look at the two teams playing right now for the NBA finals. Right. You've got the two. They are a team first. Now, they might, within that team, Curry and uh, whoever else on the Warriors, they Leonard, might call you Leonard. They might have a personal relationship and their wives, they might go out to dinner or they might not. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But they know they're a team first. And I do the same thing in my business as a, in the direct selling industry. I look at it as a businessman. We're a team. We, and we either win or we lose. Mm -hmm. You win as a team or you lose as a team. Do that to a family degree. But we can still have relationships and the success of our team is relationships but keep it on a professional basis mm -hmm. and keep it very, that's how I choose to build my direct selling. My, my, my company mm -hmm. is building relationships. It's all about relationships and communications. Let me, let me ask you this. Um, you know, so with, uh, let me ask you this question real quick. The, with the kind of in the subject of failures here, you know, the, the company failure. So you've, you've, had successes and there's mm -hmm. restaurants that have stayed and mm -hmm. that, that are still existing today and thriving. I mm -hmm. imagine. And then there's, you know, a number that you just listed that just didn't work out. No. Um, were those within 33 and a third? Yes. They're okay. all 33 and a third. So my question is now, like when you are talking about a team and literally 33 and a third, you've got 60, you know, the other 66.6%, .6%, right? <laughs> yes. So, so, how do the, how do you as a team as a unit kind of bounce back from that and what are those conversations like when when you feel that something's kind of going awry the ship mm -hmm. is kind of sinking how do you have you know what what are those conversations like and how do you approach those a great I, great great and i could give you the exact example of that when that restaurant closed down that didn't make it we had long discussions too we try and we but with my, again, 33 and a third, there were three of us in that company. And um, we each owned a third of that company. So 30, we each, it would mm -hmm. equal 100. Right, right, right. So we had conversations and we relied on each other. The three of us really complimented each other. One gentleman, I was great in the operation standpoint, operating on a daily basis, inventories. The other one was in a branding. His mind was branding and bigger picture things. And the other guy was much more, his background was in the, the kitchen area, uh, chef, cooking, menus, pricing, that sort of thing. So we balance, We had a great balance between the three of us. We also had a great trust between the three of us. So what, we relied on each other to help us um, get through those times and had discussions mm -hmm. uh, every, I mean, when we were deciding to close this restaurant down from the day we closed it, looking back, six weeks six months we pray it was probably six months that we started thinking look we don't we're going to continue we want this to work but at some point we got to make a decision that it's mm -hmm. not working so those that six months constant communication some sleepless nights some anxiety because there's a lot of things involved we got employees we've got mm -hmm. leases we've got debt mm -hmm. we had a debt on it so that there's some stressful things involved but you just communicate it's back to communication you can't not communicate your fears your to the whoever it is and then we between the three of us who are actively involved we also looked outside to our attorneys our accountants uh our pastors and uh, to, uh, to help us through that time mm -hmm. with uh, moving forward but we all and again and we really didn't learn it was probably a year later after we closed looking back and it's getting ready to open another one. Think about this. You close a restaurant, lose $450,000. This was in 1990, I believe. So now you could be really, really fearful of, I'm not going to do another one. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way because it's, I don't want to do that, go through that again. Right. However, we knew what we knew. And our, we did have successful restaurants. You get back, you fall back into what you know you know and say, yes, we know what to do. We know what we didn't wrong here. And it was a combination of a lot of things, some of it location. So we went forward. The third one we opened, 
I'll jump back. Third one was a success. Some the fourth one. Now that we've opened the four now. Second one failed. Mm-hmm. Third was okay. It's going on. These are all in Hawaii. The fourth one we opened, Aaron, went on to become. I don't mean this boastfully, but I do in a way. And it may be because of what we learned in the second one, it became one of the most successful restaurants in our company in 30 years. Mm. Doing uh, Literally, we made millions of dollars out of that one restaurant, wow. the, the fourth one. Was it because of what we learned in the second one? It had to be some of it. Yeah, some of what definitely. It definitely. definitely. So, so um, how do you avoid the blame game? <laughs> Not easy. Mm-hmm. However... You just, I've never looked at myself as the victim. It's excuse this, excuse that. You always look at it as a problem moving forward. And maybe that was the way I was brought up. Maybe it was a lot of things through all my mentors, from my dad to my grandfather to college to professors to teaching, my two coaches that I still have today mm-hmm. that coach me through business. So then they always said that There's, you can't look for excuse, you can't blame. Mm-hmm. You take responsibility. You can't blame the 2008 recession. It's it, those are realities. You take responsibility and move forward. And uh, as long as you're doing it with integrity and honesty and moving forward and not trying to, we never did anything illegally. And so, you, um, I always looked at it as an experience. Mm-hmm. My whole life's a journey. Had ups and downs, lost, made a million, lost a million, made two million, lost three million. I mean, I'm, you just, you go, but it's part of life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so how do you? It, your experiences have definitely helped you and informed you on how to move forward. Mm-hmm. But you always keep you lean into life. Yes, you. I, I from afar. I mean, I'm just saying this from as somebody who knows you mm-hmm. on a personal level. You, you're a person who leans into life who says, yeah, let's go, let's do something else. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, you, when, you know, you're at a, a time in your life where you could say, you know what, I'm going to kick back and mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, drink margaritas on the patio, you know, and you might do that, you <laughs> know, do. from time to time, yeah. but you're also, you do it in, in balance with, and in concert with uh, a relentless ambition, yes. you know, yeah, uh, you, you're, I... it's like you're on a, on a greater pursuit. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you, how does that come about? Why, why do you think that is? That probably is. Or for you, what's yeah, your, what's, I, I, what's that, what's that desire? For me, that for have? me, I don't, it was probably instilled in me from a young boy traveling around the world. I thought that was a blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was in the military. We lived all over the world from, like I said, Africa, Europe, I don't know how many states. Mm-hmm. And the experience of learning all these different cultures and environments created this sense of um, just, always questioned looking for something different looking for what's out there what is over there i mean i Mm -hmm. just i've never not had that even when i managed restaurants i thought i can do this i want to go try to open a restaurant so some of it was probably just instilled with me through the years i continue to nurture that i am ambitious uh i have a lot of ambition Mm -hmm. i live my life just 24 7 involving everything i don't compartmentize into where days off, not days off, or mm-hmm. retirement, not retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I do. I mean, I love to sit on the patio and drink a margarita. I told you earlier, I think I'm hitting, hitting the pool this afternoon. Right. But I'll probably have a conference call at the pool, perhaps, or somebody's mm-hmm. going to call me. I don't, I don't, I, it's just all involved in my life, business, life, communication, yeah. family. Yeah. And uh, that's how I live my life. Yeah. And always looking for opportunity. And I always now, I will say, at this stage in my life, the opportunities, what I'm looking at and coming in mm-hmm. to me now, are opportunities that allow me to now give back the things I was learning in my 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. Mm. And I find more joy now in helping these young 20 and 40 year old people in Africa or in South Carolina or in Colorado build a business. And uh, I love their and looking for like-minded. I'm always looking for like-minded people that have the same with me. Mm-hmm. With knowing a lot of people on my team don't, but they just have a desire to for change. For change, or in some situations, they're trying to pay off a a hundred thousand dollar student loan bill. Right. And super smart, 
graduate Colorado University of Colorado with $150,000 student loans. He's got a, a nice business degree, but he's going, how in the heck am I going to pay $150,000 off? And he's 25 years old. Wow. But he's smart. And so I can show him a way. And he thinks like me, mm -hmm. sort of. He's mm -hmm. still young, but mm -hmm. he's, he's, he reminds me of when I was that age. So I'm learning from him too. I'm thinking, my gosh, I graduated in 1975, University of Houston, the hotel restaurant degree, had a zero debt. How mm -hmm. did I do that? And how did you end up with hundred? What's the deal? I don't talk about uh, another podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, my point is I'm looking for like-minded people, but at the same yeah. time, I love working with anybody that's interested in just doing something. Yeah. Whether it be mission work, professional work, nonprofit, for profit. You know, you and I, I, I do a lot of things here with nonprofits here too. Mm -hmm. And, but I'm really more of a for-profit guy. That's mm -hmm. just my background. Mm -hmm. And I think for-profit can, can do just as much impactfulness in situ in locations here in Tyler or in yeah. a village in Kenya um, through for-profit. Yeah, I agree. As long as the, as long as the, the principles, and Oh yes, exactly. It, it goes back to the integrity that exactly. the foundations laid right. And now so, they're actually, what I'm we're starting to integrate them and, Nonprofits working with for profits and understand with the new global village, digital internet, mm -hmm. connecting them mm -hmm. and uh, helping uh, do help the nonprofits are helping the for profits and for profits helping a nonprofit. That's mm -hmm. a whole nother beautiful show. thing, yeah. too. Um, so, so if you were say there is like a, a, a an entrepreneur and listen to this maybe somebody who's looking to start a restaurant they they want to mm -hmm. start a restaurant maybe even locally in tyler mm -hmm. or east texas um can you give some sort of you know what what is your start here's a b and c at least okay. you know Do, <laughs> yeah. what, what would you tell somebody of course i understand context and stuff is really important on like well is it mexican food or, exactly. or whatever but, well, but maybe it doesn't matter i don't it know it doesn't it doesn't how, how would you advise in general if a young somebody coming out of college or say they're 25 or say they're 19. It doesn't matter. Open a lemonade stand, a, a seven-year-old open mm -hmm. a lemonade stand. I could tell them how to open that lemonade stand better Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. and market it and uh, with Facebook or whatever, go Facebook live with your lemonade stand on in the Azalea district. And right. I mean, today it'd be cool to do a whole thing on that. That would be Or nice. to open a pizza restaurant in Tyler. Mm -hmm. Yes. I could help them. It's, I will say this, and maybe it's not necessarily because we live here. Mm -hmm. In my experience, if I were, Texas is what I'm getting to. Mm -hmm. Texas is the state for a lot of reasons. I don't know that I would open a restaurant in California anymore, particularly at my, no, I shouldn't say particularly at my age, it doesn't matter, but California, Hawaii, even Colorado, for various reasons, not I'm not talking political. I'm just talking economically, but state. It's some of its state regulations are just mm -hmm. the cost of doing business. I would highly recommend not going to Hawaii right now and opening a restaurant unless you have a lot of capital. Texas, however, is still there's opportunity in Texas. I know in a, a place not too far from you where you and I are sitting right now. That's a turnkey operation. Mm -hmm. It's got the equipment in it. It's got, you could te technically put a new sign on the door, Aaron Dunn Pizza, pizza mm -hmm. open tomorrow mm -hmm. with a very, very low uh, upfront cost. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opportunities like that. Mm -hmm. And, but you've got to, and then, but the process of learning how to run it on a daily -day basis is a little more difficult mm -hmm. uh, running a restaurant. But I can teach you that. Helping somebody right now open a small little, um, not a restaurant, but a small little uh, food place. Mm -hmm. And um, in Tyler, actually, mm -hmm. but um, but Texas again uh, is the state. Texas, right now, economically wise, professionally wise, look at Tyler. And yes, you have to also look at the reality. There's been some great restaurants that have opened here in the last three to four years since I've been here, but no one didn't exist. Mm -hmm. I, I think I mentioned three out of five restaurants will close within three years. Right, but that's. That's okay. That's no different than any other profession mm -hmm. in my direct sales company. Mm -hmm. High percentage close their business pretty quickly. Why, for, why, why do you think that is? 
there's a ton of reasons. Again, it's individual. It's mm -hmm. individual why they went into it. There's individual reasons why they did it. Yeah. Uh, it can be interpersonal. Interpersonal. It could be market. It could be, it could be market. It could be family stuff. issues. Right. Uh, not understanding. Uh, in some cases, it's actually the, and my feeling is that in some cases, the cost of going into what I'm doing in the direct sales industry is almost too low. I mean, it's so mm. low that if it doesn't, if you have hit some roadblocks very quickly, oh, I'm not, it's not worth it. Where if I spent 450000 on that second restaurant, I didn't give up easily mm -hmm. those six months we decided to, you know, mm -hmm. looking back. When, and by, by the way, my, my last restaurant I sold, I opened in 2006 in Colorado, we spent 1.3 million to open the doors. So 1.3 million, obviously you have a different approach to it versus if I'm going to open a direct sales company for a thousand dollars. Right. Right. However, you, here's what I'm going to tell you. 50 bucks. Yeah. However, what I can tell you from experience now, 30 years in the restaurant business, 11 years moving on in the direct sales business. Um, that 1.2 million in my restaurant versus my thousand or 1200 in my direct selling company and to open it, mm -hmm. both can generate the same amount of revenue and the same amounts of profits. Mm -hmm. So in my mind now, wow. Right. But that's what I learned. I didn't know that when I opened yeah. my first direct sales company. Yeah. So, but uh, it's a process and some of it is, uh, they they have an employee mindset versus a business no, mindset. No, no, no. So I think sometimes I felt I approached it as a businessman versus an employee. Yeah. Others, however, back to Texas. I don't know if you know this. Uh, the numbers I just saw these numbers. I think I shared them with you in 2018. The year mm -hmm. we just got the final numbers through the Independent Direct Selling Association. It was $35 billion in resale sales in the United States uh, for the year 2018 mm -hmm. in the 50 states. I don't know what it is globally, but Texas, back to Texas, Texas is the number one state in the America in the direct selling in industry. There's, there's 2.2 million Texans in the direct selling industry. Majority are part-time, by far the majority are part-time but there's a minority of full-timers like myself in texas in 2018 sales were 5.2 billion with a b in mm -hmm. retail sales so that's a real number yeah we're moving products in this state and services whether it be health care or juice or whatever mm -hmm. it is um electricity right right we're moving that through a direct selling mm -hmm. vehicle Model. so mm -hmm. that is those are real numbers on an international basis 200 million dollars in commissions us dollars on a global basis is paid out daily whoa 200 million daily around the globe yes there's guys people out there that work six months a year and they're making ten dollars mm -hmm. yes there's people that are making a million dollars out of that but that 200 million a day is real dollars being paid out to somebody mm -hmm. around the globe that's mm -hmm. moving product our services. Why do you, um, so we can get into the litany of reasons why people, you know, discredit the direct selling oh, yeah. uh, industry. And, you know, that that was a prime example of like why, you know, people don't consider it as a possible career path. Oh no. Because there's so, the, the, the low cost of entry. And so you don't recommend it. Um, I, I was just curious why you would say, I was going to ask why, why would somebody consider it? Well, but if you, I don't know that I'd recommend going into the restaurant business either as a restaurant tour, unless mm -hmm. you've done your, you, mm -hmm. your homework and you've learned. I mean, I know I've, I know a lot of uh, semi, I mean, how do I say this? I don't mean this critically, but uh, doctors, uh, attorneys, uh, actually I know some professional football players in California um, who think it's be cool to own a restaurant. You know, you, you know how to play football. You're an attorney. You're a doctor. You know how to fix my broken arm. You do not know how to run a restaurant. <laughs> but they want to. So my point is, I wouldn't. They open a restaurant. They have all the money to do it. They can design yeah. it. But they don't know how to operate it. 
Right. They don't know how to make money with it. And, I'm, right. and they end up, clo- that was a, I just lost 300,000 doing that crazy hobby. <laughs> yeah. So that my work, my point is, Aaron, any business, uh, did you know that I just saw this number and I, I don't, I haven't verified it, but I heard it's, we could verify it pretty easily that um, I think it's eight, eight out of 10 realtors new realtors eight out of ten you get your real estate license Mm, mm -hmm. eight out of ten never sell one home wow of the two that do the 20 percent or whatever that percent is they sell one to five homes and it's only one percent of realtors that sell regularly six seven homes uh, Mm -hmm. a year and create a full-time profession out of it Mm. and that's my point about uh, whether it be you can't do a restaurant part time, that's full time. Mm-hmm. You got to do it, put all your money into it. Direct selling, though, you can do direct selling part time. And what I'm talking, what you said was about full time. I don't recommend necessarily full time. Come in full time, quit your your job. Do them mm-hmm. both. Mm. If you've got a great job, school teacher. Um, you've yeah. got to, with the exception. When, when I got involved, I was actually. It's kind of funny to think of the irony here, but I was actually in a restaurant, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to press into this a little bit more, possibly partly because I was managing at the time, and I was like, if I've got this like energy drink in my pocket for these, you know, people yeah, that are exactly. slacking, you know, I can. <laughs> that's a, we, that's a great know? point. So, that's a so great it, point. it became a. Uh, a way to kind of compliment both, you know, exactly. and, and, and it, it helped people, you know, exactly. so, um, for, but you know, there, there are some of those dangers and stuff. And, you know, if the SEC gets involved oh, in that true. kind of stuff, Oh, absolutely. How, just, we, we don't have to go into it too deep, but, um, how do you, how do somebody pick the right one? That's a great question. And mm-hmm. there are some good ones out there, you know, that have been around for 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. There's new, a lot of people look at the new things coming on right now. The big one's CBD oil. Right. Oh, I saw that. It's CBD. exploding. And so the, the numbers are going to be huge, but you don't know which company because it's new that you're going to jump onto correctly. Out of all the, say, 10, there's, I don't know how many, but say 10, mm-hmm. CBD oil companies are starting to sell direct sales yeah. on, and just in the United States. Yeah. That article you shared with me said that that one company increased sales by 900%. And so, but what will happen, just like again in the restaurant industry, over the next five to six years, I'm, and that's a good number, five to six years, some of those will su- succeed, some will won't be here five years from now so how do you choose that one that Mm -hmm. one's a tough call you're gonna need some of it might just be you got to do your homework and these guys have better leadership they have better deep pocket they have they just know what they're doing versus this one Mm -hmm. and so you have to check into the leadership i always say who owns the company what's their mission what's their integrity level what's their scientific background with you're doing products so that you can do Mm -hmm. the other thing is look at the established companies that have been around for 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 years. Mm-hmm. My mother actually sold Mary Kay products back when I- There's still the, pink Cadillacs driving around. Yeah, and so there's an established one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said 75% of all direct sellers are females or, mm-hmm. or women. Mm-hmm. Many of them are stay-at-home moms and they do it part-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but there's some su- very successful female uh, CEO entrepreneurs building huge teams of, females building moving product uh, in the millions mm-hmm. so, but mm-hmm. um, yeah so, so just look at look, look at, at the leadership look at the leadership look at something you like look at a product that you enjoy mm-hmm. and a product you believe in mm-hmm. and you and just start moving moving that yeah. product yeah i agree I've, I've been seeing some people getting into the cbd thing and i'm like but I it, hope you stay in the CBD thing for the rest of your life yeah, if you want to get in. You know, a lot of people exactly. look at it as a lottery ticket. And like you've been, you mm-hmm. you uh, are a shining example of somebody who has found success through commitment. Yeah. And by the way, I've got a, I won't even mention the name, but there's a CBD oil patch on the back of my neck right now. Oh, really? And uh, as a direct seller, I am an advocate for the profession. Mm-hmm. So while I own a company, it markets our products. Mm-hmm. I'm also a customer, and so I we buy our electricity for our home from a direct seller here in Texas from another company. I buy the CBD or patch from a good friend mm-hmm. who is moving this product mm-hmm. through another company. Mm-hmm. So I'm his customer, and that's mm-hmm. a little misception too about that our industry is you're always trying to 
recruit, recruit, recruit. Right, right, right. You're not. You're moving product. We do two things, two things only. Move product, sell product, and all of it online primarily. We can do it hand of uh, energy stick. You and I both sell energy sticks. Mm -hmm. But we can give me two bucks. I can give you an energy sure, stick. Sure, sure, put sure. It in my pocket. But I do primarily on, I'm selling uh, thousands of dollars of product in Africa through the internet. But anyway, that is how we do it. So move product. And then, yes, I build a network, a community, a village mm -hmm. of other people to help move products. And I want to make sure, and with all of us having different goals and aspirations for that. Mm -hmm. And that's what I talked about. Don't recommend full timers unless you right. really understand it or evolve to it. A single mom, don't quit your job at the bank and just do <laughs> start selling CBD oil tomorrow. It's not going to regret right. it. Keep right. the right. job at the bank and sell CBD oil on Saturdays yeah. or whatever you're going to sell. Yeah. So anyway, and then awesome. learn how to become. And, and there are a lot of great people that I've worked with in the last 11 years, Aaron, that are perfectly satisfied, perfectly satisfied, happy with an extra $500 coming in on a, a, a monthly basis. What's mm -hmm. that? 6,000 a year, 6,000 mm -hmm. a year pays their family vacation. She's staying, she's, she both work husband, wife, they got two kids. They got an extra five coming in mm -hmm. and that's what they went on a cruise on the Disney cruise this year mm -hmm. based on, what they did part-time yeah and that's perfectly fine right and that actually is the majority majority yeah. of that 200 million paid out daily are small business owners mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that yeah. that's part of why the success of the company the industry you mentioned fdc that i think is so important to, mm -hmm. to our profession because i don't think that happened back in the 40s and 50s and a lot of companies there were a lot of companies that they weren't regulated. The FTC got involved. The uh, Direct Selling Association, strict, strict guidelines to even become a part of that. That's another thing. If you're looking for a company that you want to market, ask if they're part of that association. If they're part of that association, they're self-governed. Mm -hmm. And that's another one to look at. But, awesome. Um, um, we're at an hour. Oh, wow. That flew by. Right. Fun yeah. stuff. Um, so in the interest of time, let's close it out with one of these random questions. You want gotcha. To? Let's okay, do it. Cool. So pick these up at a local, uh, at a, at a networking event. The, the questions are along family values and money. And sometimes cool. they get really, really like nerdy on money, like boring 401k <laughs> kind of stuff, but Hey, maybe, you know, it's, it's good to know. Let's so we're it. just going to pick one and then, uh, okay. I'll, I'll, we'll both answer it. So, so this question is, uh, Ooh, where is change needed in your life? That's a good question. We can both think on it for a second. Second, where where is change, change needed? needed in my in life, our lives? Life. Okay, change. You got one? I think I can talk about that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go. Uh, and I, I'll. This is in reference to my age, actually, mm. and because I'm also uh, 68. Just turned 68 last month. Mm -hmm. Feel great. However, uh, being in the restaurant industry for X amount of years, I, I did not, I ate incredibly great, but mm -hmm. not great. Oh yeah. <laughs> Very high riches, cream, mac, mac and cheese and lobster mac and cheese. Yeah. And I, uh, a year ago was uh, diagnosed pre-diabetic, uh, which were a lot of America. I found out, started learning now about change in America and high percentage is something like six out of, there's 2 million Texans that are, have type two diabetes mm. and uh, and a lot don't even know they have it. But my point is change for me right now is lifestyle change and to keep my health. And that's just, uh, you, know, you have a one year old and a 68 year old, their bodies are just different than my body. Sure. Uh, and so change for me right now to maintain my global digital nomad world, yeah. um, I've got to be healthy. And so I'm really focusing now on change in my, what I put in my body, exercise, my sleep, just mm -hmm. overall lifestyle changes. I've made some lifestyle changes to where I can continue with what I want to do. Because mm -hmm. we travel, you know, I, yeah, I travel sure. all the time. I've got, I'm going to be in six states here in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to Africa, um, might go to Italy. 
So awesome. going to Africa for five weeks. So. I, th I think change in my life uh, would come to kind of circling back to the start of the conversation, like connecting with my family mm -hmm. uh, more uh, on a more intentional basis. Like my brother and sister, uh, my sister lives in Mesquite area. Mm -hmm. um, so like being able to see them more, mm -hmm. my brother lives close. So I get to see him on a you know monthly ish mm -hmm. basis, but you know, my, my parents, I want to connect with them more. Yes. And then, you know, across the pond, I've got aunts and uncles, uh, you know, in Africa that I could definitely speak to more or yeah. uh, aunt and, aunts and uncles in Texas that, that I could, I could connect with. So I think that's the change. Great. Um, I love that. Uh, man, Mike, great hey, conversation, we'll man. Goodbye. Love it. Hey, love man. it. Great seeing you. Yeah, of course. Uh, um, thank you for listening to the StrongCom Podcast. Don't forget to uh, subscribe, share, follow Mike on, uh, what's your Twitter? Uh, J. Michael Smith. J. Michael Smith. And uh, connect with him on Facebook also, and stuff. I am on Twitter business-wise too, JMS Ventures. Mm -hmm. And JMS Ventures, 33 and 3rd on Facebook. And then you'll see him uh, around at 1948 oh, yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, and then uh, go to uh, strongmind.com strongmind.com sign up for the uh, strong company letter that's where the podcast is now posted uh and we'll stay connected you won't miss an episode talk to you soon